0: Can we talk about the war in Ukraine and allow ourselves to talk about its context, to talk about what's actually happening and to talk about the issues that it has been shining some pretty strong light on? And can we do all of this without minimizing the fact that the most horrible thing in all of this is the war itself, that bombs are being dropped by Russia? It's an invasion by Russia into Ukraine. So bombs are being dropped on civilian targets. We've been seeing very crude, is a good word to use, attack by one huge army onto a country that is definitely military and not as strong. We've seen lots of refugees. It's a war. So can we talk about those additional issues that this war has brought up into the surface? I think that We can. So this is my second episode on the war in Ukraine, and it's yes, ands. I'm not here to discuss whether a military invasion by one country into another one is somehow good or justifiable. No. When I talk about other regions, and I talk about Palestine a lot, I say that... It shouldn't be difficult to condemn a military occupation should be it shouldn't be difficult to condemn a war it shouldn't be difficult to condemn war crimes and this is what we're seeing in ukraine so i would be speaking against my own principles if for some reason i felt the need to defend this invasion it sounds obvious but this is the introduction i feel like i have to give due to various discussions that i've been hearing around me that's why i'm recording this second episode so thank you for being here i will talk about three other aspects three other yes ands in addition to three other points that i talked about in my previous episode that i will link to in the description of this one so thank you for being here let's begin And I do want to begin by very quickly summarizing what I talked about in the previous one. I talked about the extreme right situation in Ukraine. And I was saying that when we look at the parliament, we look at who has the power in Ukraine, really the political power that's uh, gained in a democratic means, let's say that, no, we cannot say that it's uh, like a neo-Nazi country, which is something that Russia has been claiming. So we have to debunk that and <laughs> it's an end. And yes, we can allow ourselves to be concerned about what groups uh, a war might empower. We've seen some really weird stuff, some really weird, dangerous groups emerging in various conflicts in the Middle East, for example. So is it the main concern as a war is happening? Probably not. But can we talk about it in a way? Can it be a yes and that we can talk about and talk about Ukraine? I think that yes, and that debate doesn't have to minimize what the people are going through. I also talked about sanctions, and I was saying that yes, we know how sanctions work historically, and that when applied broadly, it does affect the general population. It does hurt the ordinary people. At the same time, we will see what targeted sanctions, especially sanctions targeting industries that are a big deal in Russia, like oil and gas, what that can do to its military capability. So can we say, yes, of course, we want this horrible war to end? Yes. And can we be concerned about how those sanctions will affect the ordinary people? Yes. In Russia and in other countries? Yes. Does that mean we don't care about the casualties of war? No. So I think and I claim that there is space in which we can talk about sanctions respectfully from a genuine concern for people everywhere and the last thing i wanted to clarify because i did receive some comments that i thought you know what these are really good comments and i should address them i'm glad my episodes are receiving comments i thought an episode on a very horrible topic of course so i'd obviously take this war never happening but so the very first thing i talked about is a nato expansion which has been heavily criticized by the anti-war voices in the states say hey, if you're from states and you're scrutinizing your own government it makes sense that you would look at its own role like what's what russia is doing is messed up it's probably clear but is the american left or anyone allowed to point to NATO expansion and say yeah we think that it played a role you know if geopolitics is a game of sorts very serious and can be horrible sometimes right could russia have seen the expansion of nato which was you know pretty substantial expansion as a threat yes can we still say that that doesn't justify an invasion also yes and the comment i was receiving was that yeah but the nato countries really wanted to join nato and nato wasn't like bulldozing uh, through eastern europe saying you have to join this alliance i understand and hey being from a nato country myself i i agree I think uh there was a lot of excitement and uh i will never forget how a how one prominent lithuanian journalist was saying that in in regards to the us and, and nato that yeah it's so nice for us to say that yeah we might be a small country in eastern europe but we are not associated with russia okay we have the us as our ally and we as Lithuania as a, as a modern country, as you know, a kingdom at some point <laughs> many years ago, um, and any other political entity, we've been waiting for an ally like that for a thousand years. And I thought, ooh, that is strong and potentially correct. So after a horrible, horrible 20th century, to say, you know what, we're not with Russia. You know, we were occupied twice in just the last hundred years. We're with the West now. We're a part of the West. How wonderful is that? You know, that's, that's so understandable. So I never claimed myself that NATO expansion could be somehow equated to uh, something democratic or authoritarian. But I cannot... At this point not add that yes we've been waiting for that ally to protect us and our freedoms for so long and we said you know what whatever you want we want to be your allies so you can protect our freedoms so much that we and Romania will allow you to open secret CIA prison where you can torture people please protect our freedoms you can build this black side here And it's very, very uncomfortable. It's very shameful to say, but I'm sadly not making these things up. So to the comment that NATO was very welcomed, NATO was very wanted. And as independent countries, yeah, we chose to be a part of NATO, of course. And could that be seen as a threat by Russia? Yeah. Once again, it's a military alliance coming closer to you with military bases and weapons there. Does that justify an invasion where you bomb hospitals and schools? No, that does not. Ah, So thank you for your patience as I took many minutes to summarize and to comment on my previous episode, because I thought that it was needed. And because there's so much to navigate i'm fine if someone misunderstands the points i'm making if someone claims that my points are incomplete i never say that i will be analyzing something in the greatest step possible in some areas i do go more deeply some issues that i'm much more familiar with in some i provide sometimes very simple tools to say well this is how we can look at things you know take those tools and go more deeply into these topics so i'm fine with someone saying well you could have added this here or you could have addressed this i agree i agree and i'd say thank you that means you listen and you care but what does bother me and this is i i must admit from where maybe partly these episodes are stemming is the confusion between claiming a thing We're saying that yes, and and that being mistaken for having very different values and caring about very different things. And I thought of all the episodes that I've produced, I thought of all of my articles that I've written, they're published somewhere, and they're all in line. And not only they're in line, and I can say, well, nowhere you will find me justifying some kind of weird violence. Or, you know, saying, mm, bombing civilians, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe, like, maybe there are good reasons. Like, no, you, you will, you will just not find that anywhere because that's not what I think. Because that kind of misunderstanding, it would be bothering me. It, it, it does bother me. <laughs> Whew, thank you for your patience. And let me continue with the three promised yes ands. The first one is the one that I knew about, but it has become so clear now with the war in Ukraine, and that is racism that we're seeing in the media. And I myself, I have been talking about for some time now, not only when I talk about Palestine, but about other regions as well, is that I have to notice a couple of things in the media. And one of them is the silence itself. It's always a choice what's talked about what's not talked about so noticing the silence that (laughs) that's a difficult task i understand and we've seen that you know with various wars and i do talk about mainstream media of course uh, more than independent journalism that often focuses on wars and conflicts and they report on that but so you know from topics like yemen syria what's happening in afghanistan now which is a a huge, huge, huge crisis, a tragedy, really Uh, what's happening in Ethiopia, for example, and sadly, many places. So it's the silence itself. And then the second aspect or second, the second level is how things are talked about. What is the language that's being used? How are things presented? So if there's no silence, if something is being shown, yay, how is it shown? And I hope you've already seen that on social media, uh, at least uh, small bits being shared of how reporters are comparing now Ukrainian refugees with refugees from probably any other place that is not white. And we've heard statements, you know, Ukrainians, they're not like those uncivilized people from, well, most of the Middle East, South Asia then reporters saying that no these are white europeans this is different or no these are not muslim refugees now coming to europe these are europeans they look very european they're white and um okay on one hand i think okay on, on a personal level in your in your personal lives is it good to give people the benefit of a doubt is it good to assume that people have always good intentions i say yes it makes your life probably a bit more beautiful, if anything. And I was really trying to wrap my head around these things. And I realized that there is not really much of wrapping that has to happen here. These are just blatantly racist statements. And, and if I'm finding myself in a situation when I'm justifying, no, maybe, no, maybe that's not what they meant. You know, maybe they meant that, hey, it's a war happening in Europe. Uh, other European countries are actually neighboring countries, just like, for example, Turkey and Jordan uh, were the neighboring countries of Syria. So for them, a war in Syria was a bigger deal. And so now let's say for Romania and Poland, it's a bigger deal. Yes, there is a way to present it like that. I understand geography matters, closeness matters. Is there a much better way to say that if you meant that yes it's easier for people to um, not be afraid for example if talking about fear of people who look more like you yes biologically evolutionarily we can talk about these things that if someone looks a bit more like you you're potentially you're more likely not to be afraid of a person like that you know we see people who look like us a bit less like enemies uh, once again, from an evolutionary point of view. I don't think that has to be controversial, but I also don't think that this is what the media was saying. And hey, if you're a journalist, you know that language matters and it's not my role to sit there and think, no, nah, maybe maybe they meant, no, nah, maybe it wasn't that racist, actually. Maybe they meant something else. Because at first it does, it, it does sound a bit incredible, it's just like, wait, what, what was, what was said on camera? And I thought, no, maybe that's what they meant, but this is just racism. This is just racism and xenophobia, fear of the other, putting people in a hierarchy based on their, for example, looks and their skin color. And let's say phenotype. Once again, we can talk about cultural differences. We can talk about religious differences. Yes. But even if some journalists very innocently thought that, it was presented in a really fucked up way. And I don't want to defend that, you know? So it's not new. Oh, some wars get more attention. Ooh, if refugees that are darker are crossing the Mediterranean, uh, it's not as... Maybe big of a deal, if imagine a boat of white people coming towards the shores of Italy. What if these people looked very Italian? Would they be turned around or would they be let in? I don't know for sure. I think we can all guess pretty correctly. So this is not new. Racism, hierarchies, that is not new. That is not new in the media. But this is another yes and this war has shown so clearly and I think it is very important to talk about because there are many people who are not white living in war zones for a long time saying if only the media treated us like they're treating now Not, not Ukrainian media, not European media the global media that's supposed to be global, whatever that means if only they treated us If only they presented our war, our schools being bombed, our hospitals being shelled with the same concern and maybe the same kindness even, how nice it would be if that umbrella included us as well. I'm not saying it should exclude Ukrainians. And I have to admit that, yes, there is a personal element for me as well. And look at Ukraine, being from Lithuania, the buildings are the same. The tiny buildings and villages could be shelled, that lo- they all look like my village, like I'm from a post-Soviet village. The, you know, Soviet realism kind of gray buildings, you know Soviet style, that are being shelled, these are like the buildings in the town when I went to school. The woman who's a refugee being interviewed, she looks like my mom. Does that affect me Uh, neurobiologically somehow, maybe a bit more than when I see someone who looks very different? Yeah, I'll be honest. So I'm not denying that. That is fine. We can accept and talk about these evolutionary things, but we should not accept racism, Islamophobia as well, and just some dehumanizing rhetoric in the media. We should not accept that from the media and i think this is a very strong yes and this once again horrible war has given us and the second yes and when it comes to ukraine relates very directly to the first one but it's not only about racism in the media it's about racism in certain policies of certain european countries so Europe has been saying for a long time that, hey, we just don't have the capacity to take in all the refugees coming from, well, the Middle East, South Asia, and North Africa and other regions. You know, it, it's been called European refugee crisis or Europe's refugee crisis, even though we know that, no, technically, the vast majority of refugees actually move to escape to neighboring countries. That's why I have so many refugees in Jordan now and since well, the establishment of Israel, really, we have to add. And in Turkey, so many refugees and who comes to Europe from lands that are further away are not the majority of people escaping hardship or sometimes, yes, in those countries. So Europe has been saying we don't have the resources. And now, obviously, it's just so, it's really heartwarming. It's so heartwarming to see how people from, let's say, Romania, Poland, how they're really opening their homes even, like directly, you know, to refugees coming from Ukraine. Uh, We've seen so many lovely initiatives, people are donating items, money, time, obviously an important resource as well. So obviously the capabilities are there and the capabilities shouldn't be only people saying, hey, you can come and live with me, which is amazing in itself and truly beautiful. You know when we talk about capabilities we talk about government bodies intergovernmental organizations non-governmental organizations and a network of actors that all work to take in asylum seekers to process their cases to you know provide shelter and other services so it's very rarely you know left to the individuals to do the work even though hey if you're volunteering helping in in any way that you can like that matters a lot so if you're doing that helping refugees from anywhere that's You know, well done. But so we see that suddenly, yes, the capabilities are there. The resources are there. just that we then didn't want to take in a certain kind of people because, Hey, maybe we were afraid something I've talked about just five minutes ago. Yeah. But obviously when people are escaping from war, do you care if they're a bit different from you? If we talk about that, once again, these are differences in values. So do, do we have the capability? Does Europe have the capability? Clearly it does. The second thing relates to not something that we find we compare uh, refugees from Ukraine to refugees from other places, but actually refugees, yes, leaving Ukraine, to refugees leaving Ukraine, but who are not Ukrainian. We've seen videos of uh non-white people trying to board uh, trains, trains leaving from Poland to, I'm not sure to borders of which country exactly or which countries, and they're not being let in uh, by the train guards or train personnel, I'm not sure. And we do have reports by organizations working on the borders that when um, people who are Ukrainian, people who just happen to be living in Ukraine, maybe studying, maybe working, who in the same way are trying to escape to bordering countries, these countries say, well, Romania, Poland, right? They say, well, we have one policy for the Ukrainians and we have a different policy for you. And you might think, well, this is how visas work. To which I would say, yeah, and I have my problems with how visas work, um, but this episode is not on that. But so one thing is a visa for, I don't know, a holiday or, okay, even work. That's one thing, but when it's a humanitarian crisis, when it's a war, I think, and this is my personal opinion, I understand, I think that then your nationality, your you know phenotype, your religion, I hope that at least then it shouldn't matter. But we've seen that it does. Well, it had already, right, when non-Christians are coming to a ooh, Christian country, what Poland has been saying about Mmm, scary Muslim immigrants. And what if, you know, what if I'm a Christian from Syria? There are Christians in the Middle East. Can I, can I come in then? I look like my Muslim neighbor, but would I, be, would I be allowed in? Am I allowed to escape war then? And if we don't see that as racism or Islamophobia, or whatever, you know, when non-white Ukrainians are trying to escape a war, they're being questioned more, hopefully allowed in, but questioned more. That's very racist. That's, and that's not mild. And this is one very big yes and that this war has shed some light on. And the last yes and for today of this war is something that I think can be really beautiful. And it sounds strange to say when we talk about a war, but it's something that could be confused with about ism when, you know, you say, Hey, I choose to talk about this thing. This is important. And and then someone says, well, what about this other thing? So you're saying that that thing isn't important, which is simply an illogical argument because you, by choosing to talk about A, you don't mean, or you don't have to mean that B is not important. But so in this case, the yes and is simply talking about other conflicts, talking about other wars. And I understand the war in Ukraine is new. It's, you know, an invasion that not many people were, not even some experts we were expecting, not to that scale at least. So, yeah, it's a big deal for various reasons. But we can still say that, sadly, now we have to extend our compassion, we have to extend our solidarity, we have to extend our worry and empathy and say, Ukraine is now on that list as well. It doesn't mean it's the only place on the list. And it doesn't mean that other places who have been on that list doesn't deserve our attention. And I think if anything, people might say, well, no, focus on Ukraine and don't draw any parallels because that's somehow maybe, I don't know, disrespectful. (laughs) And I say the opposite. No. Draw the perils now. If you're appalled by the bombing of hospitals and schools and civilian targets in Ukraine, please, please extend that and be appalled when that happens somewhere else. You might care less, but I hope you condemn it the same. If you think that when one country invades militarily, another country that's sovereign, that that's fucked up, I hope you say, oh my God, yeah, Iraq had that. If you think that a military occupation that is kind of slowly happening in Ukraine is horrible, I hope you see that that's Palestine. That's Palestine too. This is the time to draw parallels. (sighs) Our care, empathy, worry... Our anger, our condemnation are not finite resources. So that's why to me it is a very beautiful, potentially, yes and, that we can say this too, this suffering, these hospitals, people escaping from war here too. And yes, of course I understand every conflict is unique and there are plenty of parallels that we could be drawing that are simply incorrect, but there are so many, I will say that, yes, of our shared humanity, there are very important parallels to draw. And that is not what aboutism. That was one long episode. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Thank you for caring. I hope even after such a long episode, you will be curious to listen to my upcoming ones. Stay safe, and I'll see you soon.